Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Monday morning after the weekend that was in Hawkeye athletics, including a women's win, a men's loss, some football awards given out, and we move closer to the bowl game on January 1st against Tennessee without any changes to the coaching staff, at least not that have been made public. Let's start with the good, and that is the Hawkeye women who won, what, an eighth straight game uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, a win at Wisconsin at the Kohl Center, Iowa's 28th straight win over the Badgers in women's basketball, dating all the way back to 2007. Uh, Lisa Bluter had some comments after the game about, you know, recruiting in Wisconsin and, and how much success they've had there, pulling players out and, and how they hope to continue to do so. And uh, yeah, if you haven't lost to that team since before a lot of these uh, high school girls were born, uh, I imagine you have a pretty easy job of, of going there and to recruit uh, players to come to Iowa City. An 87-65 win for the Hawkeyes. Uh, that, that was certainly a lot closer to that than that early in the game. It was 21-21 after the first quarter, uh, but Iowa really put it on in the second quarter. 22-12 to uh, was the score in that quarter, so a 10-point halftime lead. Iowa just kind of ran away in the third quarter, and the fourth quarter, Wisconsin showed a little fight, and Iowa... Uh, backed off a little bit, and uh, so a 22-point victory is the the, the end, ending margin. Uh, Caitlin Clark, 28 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and about 10 seconds of all of us collectively holding our breath late in the game when she was brought back in. Um, you know, Lisa Bluter was asked about it after the fact. I, I have no problem with, with her putting Caitlin Clark back in. I'm sure Caitlin wanted to go back in, and uh, the, the TV announcers were even talking about uh, hey, this is this is how Lisa handles this team. Uh, you know, these players can get injured at any time, and uh, Caitlin wants to be in these games. And uh, whether or not she put in put her in there to, you know, reach some sort of statistical milestone, I, I doubt that. It doesn't seem like something uh, that Lisa Bluter would necessarily do. Although she is very aware of you know things like the stats and the stories that are being told around this team and around Caitlin Clark in particular, so I, I wouldn't put it fully past her to say, "Hey, go in and get a couple of more points, get thirty, get your tenth rebound, you know, make fill up the stat sheet just a little bit here." Uh, but ultimately, it seems like Caitlin Clark is is just fine kind of bumped her knee there and, and was taken out of the game, left the game for the rest of it. Uh, I do, though, expect to see Caitlin Clark in uh, late against teams where they're, you know, in, in blowouts. That's just kind of how this this goes, and it, it's how it's happened throughout her entire career. So I didn't have a major issue with that. Obviously, you don't want to see anything happen to Caitlin Clark, and you uh, you, you hope that uh, if if she ever does suffer any sort of injury, it's not in a, a twenty point game in the fourth quarter where she really didn't need to be in. Uh, really good to see Hannah Stolke 
have kind of her return party, her coming out party again. 21 points for Hannah, uh, three assists, three rebounds, a couple of steals. Just 8 of 16 from the floor, but she played 26 minutes, uh, 5 of 8 from the free throw line. That That's nice to see. She's going to need to be money from the free throw line uh, down the stretch here or, or as we get into Big Ten play. And, uh, and and she had a really nice game. Good to see that. Caitlin Clark was the only starter to, to get into double figures. And Hannah Stolke was the only Hawkeye to join her there. Uh, elsewhere in scoring, Kylie Feuerbach had eight points on three of four shooting. Uh, she's she's going to have real flashes. Uh, again, as she kind of works back from the injury that kept her out last year, uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the, how the game comes to her, how she's utilized in the rotations as you get into Big Ten play. Uh, but she's got some, some real skills, some real flash there. Uh, you're excited to kind of see how that continues. Taylor McCabe with six points, a couple of threes. That's her specialty. Good to see that. Uh, Sydney Falter, seven points, but more importantly, 12 rebounds for Sydney Falter, four assists for her. She played 24 minutes, and that's big again. If, if you, You're going to need to have these post players who are able to battle down there able to get those rebounds, able to handle those passes from Caitlin Clark. I mean, Caitlin Clark, we, we've we talked about it. We all know, but she is still an underrated passer, not just the the kind of full court baseball throws that she's able to put on the money, but uh, the, the, the passes down into the post that, you know, Monica Sonata was so good about just turning and, and turning into two points. Uh, these other players have to kind of continue to get used to that. And, and so uh, it was good to see... Again, Hannah Stolke, uh, Addison O'Grady, Sydney Falter, some of those players you know, do some of those things. And, and especially, again, get, get those big minutes, which is what you want to see. Gabby Marshall had 25 minutes, just three points. She did hit a three. That was good to see. Uh, she's really your defensive specialist. She had four steals on the day. That was fantastic. Kate Martin, uh, who had such a big game against Iowa State, had six points, uh, an assist, a rebound, a steal, uh, one of five from three point land. Iowa really struggled from three. I think at one point they were one of 15. It's, it's why Wisconsin was able to stay in the game throughout much of the first half. It was just, I was struggling shooting as soon as, as the Hawkeyes started to hit shots. And certainly as soon as Caitlin Clark started to hit shots, uh, it, it you know, they, they were able to blow it open. Really nice to see Caitlin Clark. And we, again, we've seen, we've seen her do this so many times, but when she's not on from three and, and when she's taking those deep threes and, and not hitting them, how does she keep her offense going? How does she keep herself uh, confident and, and as part of the game and, and contributing to the team? And that's by getting into uh, the rim, get, getting in inside, finding those layups. Obviously, the passing is is fantastic, but she's able to to find her own shot too, and uh, so she she did that, and that was really really good to see. Again, she was ultimately eleven of nineteen from the field, four of eight from three point land. Uh, better shooting than it was against Iowa State on Wednesday night. But th- this was a good win for this Hawkeye team, uh, who is now one and zero in conference play. And moves on to this game in Des Moines on Saturday. The doubleheader with the men. Uh, the Iowa women are the uh, headliner of that game, as as well they should be. Uh, Caitlin Clark is the draw, and so they host Cleveland State or play Cleveland State in Des Moines at Wells Fargo Arena. That's a 6 o'clock game on Big Ten Network on Saturday. Then you've got Loyola of Chicago uh, the following Thursday at home. Uh, still TBD, according to the schedule, on when that will start. I'm guessing, you know, a 6 o'clock tip or so. 
And then just before New Year's Eve on Saturday the 30th, you get back into Big Ten play and you're home against Minnesota before being home against Michigan State. So a couple of home games in Big Ten play uh, before you hit the road in early January. So, yeah, you feel good about where this team is right now, right? They they lost that one game to Kansas State, but were able to avenge that loss. They've now won eight in a row. You worry a little bit about when they're not hitting their shots. If Caitlin Clark is not on fire, who else is, is scoring? What does this offense look like? Uh, can Gabby Marshall get going? If, if you have Hannah Stolke scoring 20 points, that's a great sign. Again, playing 25 minutes, that's fantastic. And so the, this team is going to have to f- continue to improve and continue to find itself and, and find its identity. It's going to take some lumps, for sure, in Big Ten play. Uh, but the Big Ten isn't isn't great this year. They don't have the ratings out yet for, uh, for, for this week, but... Um, Just looking at their schedule, Ohio State's ranked 12th, Indiana uh, 16th, Penn State 25th. Those are the only ranked teams in uh, Big Ten women's basketball right now. And Ohio State just got a win over Penn State. And so that'll probably knock Penn State out of the rankings. So, uh, you know, again, you're going to probably take a few lumps in the Big Ten season. uh, But the goal is to get to the end of that. Obviously, you know, winning a championship and going into the Big Ten tournament play. Uh, with a, a head of steam and feeling like you can go win that again. But uh, it's it's getting to that that one or two line in the NCAA tournament if possible, which I think is possible, and and making a run there and, and trying to get back to the championship game and, uh, and winning a national championship, which even saying out loud feels crazy to set that as a goal for any Hawkeye team other than maybe the wrestling team just because of their history. But the, these are the expectations on the Iowa women's basketball team. And rightfully so. They are that good. Uh, Caitlin Clark is that good. And uh, it's going to be fun. It was fun to, to see a sold-out Kohl Center uh, there to see Caitlin Clark. Fun to hear some of the Let's Go Hawks chants, some of the cheers going up after Caitlin Clark would, would hit a shot or, or when Iowa had a big moment. Um, they are selling out arenas across the country to see Caitlin Clark, including Wells Fargo Arena this coming weekend. And you're going to have Hawkeye fans at all of these places. You're going to have people who, uh, you know, there were a lot of kids who have never been to a Wisconsin women's basketball game who came to that to see Caitlin Clark. And Wisconsin may be their favorite team, but it's hard not to cheer for your favorite player. And so all of the stuff that surrounds this team and surrounds her as, as we move through this this senior season, uh, and, and hopefully not her last season, but so you could certainly see why that would be the case, uh, especially if Iowa accomplishes something like returning to the Final Four, like winning a national championship. You could see her stepping away. Uh, if she does, it'd be the Indiana Fever who get the number one pick in the WNBA draft. They won the lottery over the weekend. And I've already seen mocked up Caitlin Clark in Indiana Fever jerseys uh, graphics you know, out there because... She will be the number one pick whenever she is allowed to be picked. And so uh, let's enjoy the Caitlin Clark show while we have it. Hopefully we'll have it longer than just this season. But uh, even if we don't, she's going to be playing in front of sold out crowds, signing autographs, you know, hearing let's go Hawks chants at, at every Big Ten arena. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to carry us through the winter because I fear that the men's basketball season is going to be a long one. Well, let's talk about that men's basketball team in the 90 to 80 loss Sunday afternoon at home to Michigan, uh, a 10 point loss that was in reality far more lopsided than that. 
much like the game at Purdue uh, on Monday night, which was what a not quite a 20 point loss. Yeah, 19 point loss. But again, that was more lopsided. The Iowa State game was honestly maybe a little more lopsided than a 25 point loss. And so this is three games in a row where you've been flat out embarrassed. And the first two were against really good teams in really hard places to play. This most recent one was at home in front of a Sunday crowd at Carver in a game you needed to win against a team that's not very good, that's dealing with a lot of BS off the court as uh, if, if you followed any of Michigan basketball stuff really since that game ended until we sit here today. Uh, questions about uh, you know an altercation between Juwan Howard and one of his assistant coaches. Uh, reports that Juwan Howard planned to step down and serve an assist, as, as an assistant for the rest of the year, and then those uh, those reports debunked, and Juwan Howard will be back when he's recovered from surgery, and uh, all of the kind of chaos that's going around this Michigan program and none of it mattered because they came into Iowa and they played in the second half an Iowa team that was not prepared to play and in Iowa throughout most of the first half of this game it felt like was just a few shots away from from I'm not blowing it open I, I don't think Iowa was ever going to blow out Michigan but I was never worried even though Iowa got down at several times in that first half and, and never really held a lead it was it was really back and forth it was a close game it really felt like though like they had the right level of intensity like they were ready for that game like they knew they could play with Michigan like they knew they could win this game and that you know, if, if, a, if a few more shots went down, which they likely would in the second half, if I would just kind of uh, continued down the path that they were on in the first half, that they would find a way to win that game and, and again, not not blow out Michigan, but certainly win um, an easier game than, you know, like a last second shot or, or coming down. You know, you thought they'd have it wrapped up in the final few minutes, or at least I thought that. And it was quite the opposite. I mean, Iowa got blown out in the second half. It didn't help that Fran McCaffrey got ejected in the second half. Uh, I understand. And, and I give Fran a lot of leeway for with, with these technical fouls because he has utilized them in the past uh, really, really well. And he's been at Iowa for what, 14 years and he's been kicked out of five games. And that that's maybe more than um, the average coach, but it's not nearly as much as, uh, as his reputation seems to suggest. I mean, it, it, I think if you're on the outside looking in, if you haven't watched Fran McCaffrey the way that we have as Iowa fans, you think he gets kicked out of a couple of games a year, right? Because he's this crazy, hot-headed, red-faced guy who yells at refs and stares them down and has this terrible relationship with, with ref, refs and has this crazy temper and... Uh, you know, gets tossed out of games left and right. That That's not the case. I guess what, on average, he gets tossed out of one game every three seasons, which again is, is probably more than, uh, than, than normal, but certainly not some crazy amount. He's not Bob Knight. Um, but th- this was a bad timing to get kicked out of this game, it, you know, to, to, to have the first free throw or I mean, the first technical uh, is one thing. If you're trying to, to fire up your team um, to get that second one is is a bad time. You can't have that happen. And uh, and and I thought he put his team in a bad spot last night. Now that being said, that game was slipping away as it was. And if, even if he had been there, uh, I would didn't feel like they were going to come back and and win that game. You give up fifty five points in the second half, man. This this all starts as it always does with these Fran McCaffrey teams on the defensive end. And the interior defense of this team is terrible. 
We saw Iowa State exploit them to a crazy degree. We saw Purdue do it, but we expected that from Purdue. This is what Purdue does, right? They have seven-footers who play for four years, five years, like Zach Eady, and they dominate Iowa down low. That, that's how they play. That's what they do. Iowa State, it was a little bit more surprising because those players aren't that good. Robert Jones is not good enough uh, to do what he did to Iowa. He will not do that again this season. He will not play like that in the Big 12. He is not that good of a player. Iowa's defense is that poor. And Iowa's defense uh, on Sunday afternoon against Michigan was equally, equally terrible. Um, down low, especially that that interior defense, is just a, a major issue and is going to continue to be a major issue. And the problem, the biggest problem is that Iowa doesn't have, not that they don't have an answer for that because they, they don't, but that that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there, right? Like we, we kind of expect that. But they they're not able to keep up with the scoring that the way that they have been uh, in years past. And again, this this game looks closer than it actually was because Iowa had some fight at the end. Michigan called off the dogs a little bit. Uh, Peyton Sanford hit a couple of threes late in the game. It drew this thing to a ten point loss uh, where you only got outscored by eight in the second half. But they got outscored by like twenty in the second half. Right? That this was a this was a tale of two halves, and the second half was was awful for Iowa and. It's just really, really concerning, and it's concerning on a micro level, and we'll get to the macro level here in just a little bit, but uh, the, the micro level is you've just been embarrassed now three games in a row, and one of those at home, and now you're 0-2 in the Big Ten, you've lost three in a row, you're 5-5 five and five on the season, and you're, you're going into a three-game stretch where you now cannot afford to stumble here at all, and, and while I don't expect Iowa to stumble Against Florida A and M, also in Des Moines on uh, on Saturday afternoon, or against UMBC on the twentieth at home, or against Northern Illinois on the 29th at home. I expect Iowa to go three and zero in this stretch, but we've seen them struggle in these games and lose these games before. We saw it last year. Eastern Illinois beat Iowa in Carver Hawkeye Arena in a game just like this. And so, if this team isn't together, if they can't figure it out, if they're not shooting well. Uh, and if they're not able to get stops, they are going to get a scare from some of these teams. And if you lose one of these games, you 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 worry about the potential of this thing unraveling very quickly. Because again, uh, going into this week, I said you don't have to go three and zero, and you you don't even have to go two and one. You you have a really tough stretch of games here. You almost can't go zero and three, and you certainly can't lose all three by double digits. And and so now you're. You're left searching, and this team is left searching. This program is left searching. Fran McCaffrey has tried a couple of different starting lineups, Josh Dix and Owen Freeman. I liked the energy that that Owen Freeman brought to the starting lineup, and I like what he has done and, and some of the freshmen have done. Uh, but you, you're not going to be able to rely on those guys to be consistent producers in Big Ten play. Uh, and so you, you, just, you start looking around, and where is this team going to – you know what, what? I mean, even the fact that Fran McCaffrey felt like he had to get that technical, probably to fire up his team, makes you really worried about the leadership of this team on the court. Who is the guy? Who's the Connor McCaffrey who can get in people's faces, who can buckle down defensively, who can get a stop, who's smart with the ball, who isn't going to make a mistake? Now, Connor McCaffrey is a, a unique individual and a unique player. He fit Iowa's system so well. He might not have started on a lot of other teams, but he did what he needed to do for Iowa. So you're not going to find a guy exactly like that. But you need to have some of these some of these uh, veterans step up. You needed to have Peyton Sanford 
with a little more of a mental edge here, right? And a little a little more grit, a little more toughness. You need Tony Perkins to have that as well. And, and, and Tony has some energy and he has some fire and you've seen that, but it's not consistent enough. Patrick McCaffrey, who started out great last yesterday, he hit that three, had a, had five points early on in the game. I tweeted on the Hawkeye Nation account, like, man, how good would it be to see Connor, to see Patrick McCaffrey have a big game? And and it didn't happen. He had five points in the first couple of minutes. He ended with ten. Uh, where is the energy coming from? Who is that guy? It can't be Fran McCaffrey, and it's not going to be one of these freshmen. And it's probably not going to be Ben Cricky, who's the newcomer, who had 24 points in a pretty nice game, an 8 of 11 from the line, which is nice, an 8 of 15 from the field, 8 rebounds, an assist, no turnovers. So who is who is that guy? The problem is there is there isn't one right now, and it feels like a third of the way through the season there's not going to be. And if there's not, you might be in trouble. This team might not be very good. And I think generally that's okay. Now they might, of course, anything could happen and, and they could run through the Big Ten and, and play well and, and they could find that guy. Maybe Peyton finds that edge. Maybe Tony finds that consistency. Maybe the freshmen really do kind of grow into their roles here early on in Big Ten play and, and find ways to make impacts. You're going to win some Big Ten games. This isn't a, a winless team. This isn't a last place in the Big Ten caliber team. And you have to allow... For some level of rebuild, after losing what Iowa has lost over the last few seasons, uh, first-team All-Americans in Luca Garza and Keegan Murray, a first-team All-Big Ten player in Chris Murray last season, two first-round NBA draft picks the last two seasons who left early. We talked about this after the the Iowa State game. But the system is set up now more than ever to reload rather than rebuild through the transfer portal with NIL. And all of that. And so there's this kind of double-edged sword of you have to understand that a a program like Iowa is not going to be great year in and year out. They're going to have years where they need to rebuild. They're going to have years where they're young. And that's going to show. We saw that a few years ago. Was it 2018 uh, when that team really did not have a good season and uh, and and missed the tournament? Went 4-14 in the Big Ten, 14-19 and overall. Is it going to be another year like that? If so, I don't think that's the end of the world. These things happen at a program like Iowa. It's going to make for a long winter. And it's going to call some tough questions into the ether. I guess it's going to validate some questions that fans have already had about Fran McCaffrey. And we're in this weird place with Fran McCaffrey Similar but different than than what we are with with Kirk Ferentz. Uh, Fran doesn't have the the goodwill or the success that Kirk Ferentz has had, but he has had a lot of success, and he has had he has put a really good program on the, on the court year in and year out, really for the last decade, uh, with the exception of that 2018 team where they didn't make postseason play at all. They've had good seasons. Very good seasons, and I mean, I I, th- I think you you would put these last eleven years of the fro- certainly the the ten before this year of the the Fran McCaffrey era up against just about any ten year era of Iowa basketball. I mean, other than when they were really really good in the late seventies and early eighties, I mean, what Fran has done in a lot of ways has been similar to what 
Dr. Tom had on the court. But there's a disconnect between Fran McCaffrey and this fan base. There's a disconnect between this program and this fan base. And that just amplifies all of the issues. So instead of allowing Fran to have a down year, to have a rebuilding year, to 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 try to rebuild his roster, it immediately goes to what's wrong, get rid of Fran. And that's a major issue. I've heard a lot of people talk about how much apathy there was for this team coming into this season, but that doesn't make any sense. I mean, objectively, it doesn't. From the outside, it doesn't. And when you look at the numbers that Fran McCaffrey has put up in this program, there is no other way to look at it than it's been a success. And at times, an overwhelming success. But there's a disconnect between him and the fan base and this program in the fan base. So that allows for bad crowds at Carver Hawkeye Arena. For some reason, we've stopped caring about men's basketball. And it's not it's not because Caitlin Clark has elevated women's basketball. We can be fans of multiple things. We can fill Carver Hawkeye Arena for wrestling, men's and women's basketball. We have that level of fan base and that level of fan support. You know we do. But it's not happening. And so as soon as things start to unravel a little bit for this Iowa basketball team, the men's side, uh, the initial reaction, the knee-jerk thing from fans is, what's wrong with Fran? This program is in a bad spot. We need to make a change. But, I mean, if, again, if, if you look at it, Iowa has, has made the NCAA tournament in each of the last five seasons. Of course, they didn't hold the tournament in 2020, but they would have certainly made the tournament and heck maybe even made a run in that tournament outside of last year where I went 19 and 14 after losing what its last three games of the season, including the first game of the big 10 tournament and the first game of the NCAA tournament outside of that 19 win season, Iowa had had four years in a row of 20 or more wins. You had that 14 and 19 team in 2018 the year before that, they didn't make the NCAA tournament. But they were 19 and 15 and got to the second round of the NIT. And then before that, you had three straight NCAA tournament uh, appearances. So seven of the last 11 years, Iowa has made the NCAA tournament. Their finishes in the Big Ten in that time, really all the way back uh, to Fran McCaffrey's first season. They were 10th in the Big Ten in that year. But seventh the next year, where they were runner or second, where they got to the NIT, sixth, sixth, third, third, fifth, eleventh was that 2018 year, sixth, fifth, third, fifth, fifth. Those are their finishes in the Big Ten. I was not the fifth best basketball program in the Big Ten, so finishing fifth in the Big Ten in a given season is a success. He's been able to recruit talent. He's been able to develop talent. He hasn't been able to get good guard play, and that's always killed Iowa in the tournament. And he hasn't made any sort of a run in the NCAA tournament. And that's obviously the biggest killer. That's the the biggest thing, the biggest mark on his resume. Uh, the biggest issue within this program is the lack of a Sweet 16 since 1999. And it's going to hang around this program like a noose until they're able to get there. And maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the disconnect. It's also probably that people just don't like him. He's he's an easy target to be made fun of. Man, we're, we're so sensitive as a fan base, and probably all fan bases are, but we as Hawkeye fans are so sensitive to the national narrative. We fall victim to this in football, and we fall victim to this in men's basketball. When people are making fun of us on a national scale, we freaking hate it. We can't take it. They make fun of our offense. It doesn't matter that we win games. We want to change. And they make fun of Fran's red face. It doesn't matter that we have a good basketball program. We want to change. We don't want to be the laughing stock. We don't want to be the butt of the joke. 
So it's interesting. Iowa basketball is in a really interesting spot right now because you've got Fran McCaffrey with a handful of years left on his contract, but he's getting up there in age, and his son, Patrick, is about to graduate. His son, Connor, left the program last year, and his son, Jack, who's in high school, is not coming to Iowa. He has made that decision. Uh, he's going to play somewhere else, and he's going to play somewhere else at the Power 5 level. He's that he's that good of a player. And so what does the McCaffrey family decide to do, and when do they decide to do it? Is it time for Fran to retire? Is If it is, is it after this season, after next season? Um, you know, the recruiting class this year was was really good. So again, like all of the kind of objective things put this program in a pretty good position, and it's okay to have a year where you don't make the tournament. It's not okay to not see effort out there. It's not okay to get embarrassed. It's not okay to be blown out. But I don't think that's going to happen all that many times this year. It'll certainly happen once or twice more, probably. When Iowa doesn't shoot well and they can't get stops, they are just sunk. They're just screwed. They don't have anything else. If they're hitting shots, they can play with anybody. We saw it at Creighton a couple of weeks ago. But the problem is it doesn't feel like they have that go-to guy. It doesn't feel like they have that run stopper. It doesn't feel like they have that emotional leader on the court. And that's a roster-building problem. That's a recruiting problem that that Fran has has forced himself into here. And we'll see how this this team does this. I mean, again, they need to go 3-0 and here in these three non-conference games. And then you're at Wisconsin on the, the day after New Year's Day. Um, that's tough. Home against Rutgers in Nebraska, you feel okay about those. The, the, the good thing is the Big Ten isn't very good. That, that's also kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand, the Big Ten isn't that good. There's a lot of winnable games for Iowa in this Big Ten schedule. Michigan State's down. Michigan's down. Ohio State's down. There's not a lot of great teams. There's a lot of winnable games. The problem is you're going to have to win a lot of those games to make your mark in a conference like this. This isn't a 10-team NCAA tournament team conference, right? You're going to have to probably be top seven to feel good about getting into the tournament, and that is and should be the stated goal every year for this program. Even in a down year, that needs to be the goal. Iowa needs to find a way to play itself back onto the bubble here, and hopefully they can. And then what happens after that, we'll see. But I don't think this falls apart the way, you know, say Iowa State did a couple of years ago and went winless in the Big 12. I, I don't see something like that happening to this team. If it does, then then it's a whole other conversation. And it is time to, to, to really start looking hard at these things. It's just, again, I was in this weird spot where, for whatever reason, there's a disconnect between this men's basketball program and this fan base. It, it doesn't help, probably, that you can look just at the other side of the the court, see this women's program and the the like full on connection they have with this fan base, that people are knocking each other down to get into the door to to see this team play, and not just Caitlin Clark. We have fallen in love with these women. We know them. We know their personalities. We've we've experienced time with them. We love this coaching staff. There's this true connection with the Iowa women's basketball program that does not exist with the men's program. It doesn't really exist with any of these players, even though a lot of them are Iowa-grown. It doesn't exist with the coaching staff, and it's easy to turn it off when they're playing the way they've played over these last three games. So 
Really, really important stretch now for Iowa basketball. They, they, they need to get up off the mat and show us something, give us a reason to care throughout January and February, or a lot of people won't. And once that apathy truly starts to set in, that's the death knell of a, of a program. That's the death knell of a, of a head coach and a coaching staff. That's when things really, really get dark. And I don't think we want to see that. Uh, again, as, as the, the Big Ten expands going into next season, Iowa basketball is going to even be in a, a tougher position. And so uh, you don't want to hit rock bottom right as this transition is happening. So uh, it's it's all on the Iowa men. It's it's who's going to step up, who's going to be those leaders, how are they going to respond, and what are they going to do uh, throughout Big Ten play. But first, got to get through these next three games, and uh, you have to go 3-0 and in these games. Talk a little football before we get out of here on a Monday. appreciate you listening, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what the podcast schedule will be like the rest of this week as, uh, you know, it's finals week in college, and uh, the, the the men's and women's teams don't play until they're here in Des Moines uh, over the weekend for that doubleheader at Wells Fargo Arena. Uh, hopefully we'll get some sort of news on, you know, at least some sort of inkling on offensive coordinator. It's it's again, Kirk Ferentz paints himself into this corner by not doing anything until after the season, and then putting himself in a position to play in a bowl game that that takes you to the you know New Year's Day, and meanwhile the rest of the college football world is out there making moves, hiring assistant coaches, uh, dealing with the transfer portal, and Iowa is uh, seemingly waiting it out. Um, I did see Chad Lysico at the Des Moines Register last week uh, sent out a text to his Hawk Central text group, which I uh, uh, you know encourage you to to subscribe to the Register certainly online and uh, and get into a Chad's text group because he, he gives you a lot of good information in there. But he talked, I think it was Thursday, that Kirk Ferentz is holding interviews for the offensive coordinator job. Um, that it didn't sound like John Budmeyer or Tim Polisek were going to be. Uh, legitimate options, which I think on the Bud Meyer front, that's a good thing. I think that would have been an uninspired choice. I think that would have been one that would have made a lot of fans roll their eyes and and fear that there was no real change coming. I know a lot of you think that anyway. I try to stay optimistic and hope that that Kirk is able to to show some level of change. But um, and not that John, nothing against John Bud Meyer. I'm sure he's a great coach. Seems like a good dude, uh, but. Again, you just more than anything, almost like the the appearance of change, right? The the significance of bringing somebody in from outside. Now, whether that's somebody who's always been outside or not, I don't know. Uh, how excited are you going to be if it's Paul Christ? I don't know. Probably not super excited, but uh, certainly feel like he's a, a a step up from Brian Ferentz and and what he was putting on the field and uh, and the play calling and the recruitment and development and all that stuff. And so, hopefully, we'll get news on that sooner rather than later. It needs to happen. Um, it will happen. I just hope it happens this month and not next month. Uh, some other kind of um, news and notes. Um, football team awards were given out uh, over the weekend at the football banquet, I believe. And so I'm just going to run through a few of these here. The the most valuable players on the team, LeSean Williams, Jay Higgins, and Cooper DeGene all won that. They they share that award. Permanent team captains, Luke Lachey, Joe Evans, Jay Higgins, and Tory Taylor. Tory Taylor obviously won the Ray Guy Award over the weekend. I think that was Friday night that he was awarded Best Punter in America. Super well-deserved for him. Great to see that. What a career he has had in Iowa for a guy who had never attended a an American football game before his first time, his first game as a Hawkeye. 
Uh, what a, what an incredible career he has put together. A two-time Big Ten Punter of the Year, now a Ray Guy Award winner. I was first Ray Guy Award winner and uh, should be an NFL draft pick. I mean, you know, people might roll their eyes about drafting a punter uh, using one of your draft picks uh, for a punter, but this is a guy who's going to make a difference in the NFL for whatever team he he gets to. Uh, we saw the the difference he was able to make uh, for the Iowa the the Iowa program, and so cool to see him get some of these honors, like the Hayden Fry Extra Heartbeat Award. This went to a bunch of guys, including Tory Taylor and Cooper DeGene, also Logan Lee, Jay Higgins, Joe Evans, Mason Richmond, Luke Lachey, and Logan Jones. The Iron Hawk Award goes to Joe Evans. The Reggie Roby Special Teams Award, Cooper DeGene and Tory Taylor. Uh, the Brent Greenwood Award, Nick DeYoung, Kyler Fisher, and Quinn Schulte. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year Award goes to Jamari Harris. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll just kind of leave that there as a lot of the other ones are, you know, within the within the building, right? Within the, the program. And uh, good for all those guys. Congratulations to those uh, award winners, fantastic stuff. Uh, the Football Writers Association of America put out their All-America team uh, this morning. Cooper DeGene, Jay Higgins, and Tory Taylor are all first team on that team. Cooper DeGene and Tory Taylor have now gotten first team All-American, what, I think two of five uh, that have put out. And so that feels like it's uh, it, they're, they're on the verge. They're on their way to consensus All-American uh, status, which is fantastic. I think Jay Higgins should be as well. I think he's getting shortchanged a lot here. I mean, he led the Big Ten in tackles. All the the you know, all he had to do was fill the shoes of of Jack Campbell, and he did a hell of a job. Uh, I think he's being overlooked by some of these people, but. Um, Iowa, the only school in the country with three first-team All-Americans uh, by the Football Writers Association of America, uh, and they've had a uh, uh, an All-American on this uh, team for 11 straight years. Iowa has just put a great run together here of, of really good players, guys that we can all be proud of, and uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch those guys, and it's, uh, it's too bad we're going to see a few of them go into the NFL. It would be interesting to see what Jay Higgins decides to do. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, as we move forward through the bowl game and into the offseason. I think it's great to see there haven't been any opt-outs. I don't expect any opt-outs for this bowl game. And really, the transfer portal hasn't been brutal to Iowa. We've seen some guys go, and I don't think there's been any uh, a lot of surprise about some of those people. Uh, Joey Labus had to go, get into the transfer portal. Um, Deontay Vines, not surprised that that he ultimately went. I did hear both, uh, both Caleb's Johnson and Brown we're on, I believe, an Instagram live or some podcast. It was there was something where they both talked about being Hawks for life. So uh, while I talked about potential of Caleb Johnson transferring out of the program, it doesn't seem to be uh, the that that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We haven't heard anything about Jazz Patterson uh, doing that either. And so you know the the tr- this transfer portal window doesn't seem like it's going to be brutal to Iowa, and I think that's a really really good thing. Let's see if they can go out and get some players, and obviously a lot of that's going to start with going out and getting an offensive coordinator we'll have more football as we move through the month of december and get closer and closer to that bowl game against tennessee i did see tennessee had one of their big defensive players opt out of the bowl game uh and and you know that's that's a good thing for iowa uh but again like every game this this game isn't about tennessee it's about iowa can iowa score and if they can't they're gonna lose and if they can they probably win so We'll talk about that more and more as we move forward here throughout the offseason. I appreciate you listening. Enjoy your week and go Hawks.